Welcome to another edition of the Dean Luggy Show here on Dog Post. Georgia and Tennessee getting ready to fight one another this Saturday night in Knoxville. Another uh, really, I don't want to say critical test for Georgia. I mean, this is a game that Georgia should win going away. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about the national scene uh, as this as this uh, broadcast goes on. If you want to call it a broadcast, this, this show goes on. Uh, but you know, Tennessee doesn't have the capability of sticking with, with Georgia. <clears throat> I expect to see a lot of uh, Georgia fans in Knoxville. I don't know how many, maybe 30,000. I don't think 30,000 is out of the question at all. And that will seem like a lot, even in a stadium that has 100,000 people. So uh, Tennessee is about as in the dumps right now as I have seen. And that's really saying something because they they have gone through Lane Kiffin, Derek Dooley, Butch Jones, all with the um, you know the hope or the understanding that there would be a better day. And frankly, even in uh, 2007, when Tennessee had a big win over Georgia uh, in Knoxville, that that program was was teetering on figuring out how to get Phil Fulmer out of there. Even though they won the SEC East that year, thanks in part to that win over Georgia. They they weren't happy, and the pregame before that, when you can, when you were going into the stadium, you could tell, you could hear the uh, lack of enthusiasm. And um, Tennessee's had a rough century; uh, it's rough two decades. They've not won the conference since 1999. Um, excuse me, since 1998. So it's been more than 20 years, more than 20 seasons. Um, They've had four coaches. They could be getting their fifth here. Is that right? Fulmer, Kiffin, Dooley, Jones, Pruitt, and and now it looks like Jeremy's in serious trouble. I mean, you look at this, this this Tennessee situation, and they they're having a very hard time running the ball. Uh, they're having a very hard time stopping. They've they've looked like one of the worst teams in the SEC this this fall, and uh, that goes uh, their time against BYU, Georgia State. And they, them in Florida both looked bad last week. Um, they just did. And it was just bad football. And, and that's not what you want when you've got the number, you know, number two, number three team in the country coming knocking on your door. Georgia Georgia's going to be ready to play. Tennessee probably is going to be ready to play too. But that only takes you so far. And I'll say, I'll put it this way. Uh, you shouldn't be surprised. If the game is close after the first quarter, you also shouldn't be surprised if Georgia's up 20. Because Tennessee knows, the kids on that team know, that this is going to be a four-quarter game if Tennessee plans on winning it. And I don't think they've got any appetite for doing that. If um, if they do, that would shock me. Not just me, but everyone else in the country. Uh, speaking of... Um, the country, you know, when you get a chance to watch everybody play. Now, I watch a lot, actually, uh, whether I record it or watch it live on Saturdays in between when Georgia plays. Um, Saturday showed the very two extremes of the top programs. Uh, when you look at the way Oklahoma played, the way Ohio State played, and you contrast that with Clemson, it's a stunning reminder of how unbalanced college football really is those three teams um come well they're not playing in the sec so they don't have that log jam of top 10 teams 
uh, fighting it out for the one certain spot in college football playoff. You know, Oklahoma has to deal with Texas and the quirkiness of the Big 12. Uh, it looks like Michigan is not going to be a legitimate challenge for Ohio State. So it appears that only a, a Wisconsin is in the way of Justin Fields and the Buckeyes. I mean, Ohio State looked great last night. Uh, Oklahoma looked very good. Um, but the problem is we, you know, as much grief as I give the ACC, it's hard to really pick a team in the Big 12 that, you know, outside of Texas for Oklahoma is really going to challenge them. What about in the Big 10? I mean, there's not a lot of great teams in the Big 10. There might be two, two and a half good teams. Uh, one really, one great team in Ohio State. You know, we'll have to monitor Wisconsin and see if that continues. They didn't play well against Northwestern yesterday. And then Michigan got their act together, but the national sentiment about Michigan has cemented. So with those three programs, I, I don't think a loss would have hurt Clemson at the end of the day because the um, Clemson has proven they can lose to anyone. They damn near proved that yesterday again. And people, people don't listen when you say that, but they should. I mean, North Carolina is about as bad a football program as there is in the ACC outside of Georgia Tech. I mean, they're terrible. They lost to App State six days ago, seven days ago. So, you know... But it wouldn't have hurt Clemson, really. They would have they would have dropped. They would have been like maybe number eight. They would have probably fallen behind Notre Dame and Wisconsin. But if they win the ACC with a loss, they're probably still going to get into the playoff. That's another thing that people need to, to wrap their head around is that Clemson is going to get into the playoff unless they lose the ACC championship game. And maybe if they lose to South Carolina, I, I don't think that. I don't think that they would get knocked out necessarily if they'd lose to South Carolina because they'd play one more week and you know then there'd be this thing about well you're going to keep the defending national champion out. They're not there. They're a normal team like everybody else. They shouldn't be given any benefit of the doubt. The team that played last year, they're gone and that's evident. If you watch them play, that's evident. Other couple of things. I mean, you know, Georgia last week didn't absolutely drill Notre Dame the way people thought. Well, Notre Dame. Got a double-digit win over a, a, a second-best team in the ACC, Virginia, on Saturday. And then uh, on top of that, you know, with Alabama, uh, you, you, it appears you can run on Alabama. That, you know, that's what it appears like. They can really score with those receivers, but I'm not sure that Alabama... I, I think that the, the, the national narrative, which always gets out of control, that this is about Clemson and Alabama has now been proven completely ridiculous. Uh, on top of that, uh, it appears to me that there's a group of six, which I've been talking about for some time now, which is Alabama, Georgia, LSU, uh, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Clemson, and now maybe Auburn has to be looked at. I don't think you can really look at Florida. They continue to struggle uh, at times against teams that they have no business struggling against. But the SEC is going to is going to go from it, what looked like two teams in to just one. I mean, if the Big Twelve and the and the Big Ten hold serve the way that it feels like they're going to, because uh, there's just not a lot in the way of challenges, then the SEC is not going to get two teams in unless Clemson gets knocked out. And again, 
they they might not be a top four team this year, just the way that Notre Dame wasn't last year for, for in this case with Clemson this year. But they're going to get in because the rules are different for different teams in different years, and that's how this goes. It's not right. There's nothing. No one ever said life or sports have to be fair. But you know, if you're in the SEC, and right now there are you know Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Florida, and Auburn. There are five undefeated top ten teams in the SEC. Only one of y'all is going to get in, and it's the team that wins the SEC championship. That can change. If a team with one loss gets in, it's probably going to be the loser of the SEC championship game, possibly the runner-up in the West or the team with only one loss in the West, particularly if that's Alabama. But it feels like right now that uh, the SEC is... sort of had two teams and now I'm not as certain if they do. But well, you know, these things change over time. Back to Georgia and Tennessee. The last time Georgia played at Tennessee, Jake Fromm ended the game with 84 yards passing and two rushing touchdowns. 84 yards. That was the Jake Fromm that Georgia was dealing with at the time. They were they were holding on, hoping that things would would you know they could just get through the game by running the ball, which they they did a 41 nothing loss, which was just a disaster for uh, Tennessee. That was Georgia's 800th win in history uh, when that happened. Let's listen to Kirby real quick talk about specific things that players had to do heading into this off week and what the dogs did getting ready for the Vols in this uh, one of two only two only two. I love two off weeks rather than one. Uh, in uh, one of the two off weeks uh, for the season. <coughs> yeah, yeah, we did today. We had uh, three periods of what we call teach work, and uh, we did three or four periods against each other, and then we did three or four periods separate where we pick out something that not one team does. We don't go work on Team X. We just go work on things that teams do that we don't do. So we get exposure to it might be empty, it might be – whatever, three back runs. We just pick out something that we're going to see in the future and work on. So we're trying to do that right now. Uh, basic stuff, you know, Kirby. Kirby's only going to say so much as we all have grown accustomed to uh, over time here. I do want to talk about one guy who didn't play who against Notre Dame who's played a lot this season and who I think has the ability to be special over time, and that's Zamir White. So Zamir didn't play at all against uh, Notre Dame. You don't hear any uh, crying or uh, kind of whining or hand-wringing over it because I, I do think um, with Zamir, uh, he could have helped Georgia, sure, but at the same time, uh, you know, with Brian being your guy and uh, as you, what seems now to be for sure their number two back uh, at this time in the season, he gives you the ability to uh, pass protect in a way maybe that others don't, maybe sneaks out into the into the um, to the flats. Maybe those guys, DeAndre and uh, Brian, were more ready for the moment than Zamir was. I mean, this is only, that was Zamir's fourth college football game. So uh, maybe that's part of it. But I don't think there's any question that Zamir can be and will be a special player for Georgia. This is what Kirby said about Zamir not playing this week. Just didn't hit the flow of the game. We didn't get many opportunities, you know. And if, if number seven is running the ball like he was running the ball, it's, it's hard to give the ball to anybody else. I mean, the guy was making people miss, running possessed. And, you know, Brian was running hard. And we want to get Zamir involved, and we need to do that. And he's growing. He's getting better. I mean, he had two of the best 
blitz pickups I've seen out there today that he stoned them, and uh, he's getting better and he's getting more confident. And uh, and I want to be able to show confidence in him and put him out there and let him go play. It just never gave the opportunity. And it was, wasn't just Amir. It was other guys, a lot of guys that, that I would have loved to have played in that game, but the opportunity never presented itself. And we still played a lot of people. And then, of course, some injury updates from Kirby in a second here. Uh, I'll, I'll add that this is uh, from about four days ago, so things can change and probably will change. Most of the kids went home. Uh, if you follow them on social media, uh, you saw there was a great exodus of Athens this weekend. Uh, ben Cleveland went hunting, uh, duck hunting it looked like. Uh, Zamir White went back home to North Carolina, it appeared. So so guys went back home, kind of got the refresher course. This should be a big game for the dogs. Uh, Tennessee, that Tennessee is not real good right now, kind of takes away from that. But you knew, you need injured players back or guys who are banged up. One guy, Solomon Kinley, is an extremely important part of this season. Certainly Eric Stokes and Tyson Campbell as well. Let's listen to what Kirby had to say about injured players, where Georgia goes from here. Eric uh, was not able to go today. He was. We think he's going to be fine, but he was a little <coughs> sore. He, uh, he jogged yesterday and he ran today, but he wasn't able to practice. Um, Tyson is... Um, working out, uh, training, uh, running, but not able to practice. Uh, who was the other one? Solomon. Yeah, Solomon uh, didn't practice today, and uh, he'll be day-to-day. -day. We think he'll be fine, but he wasn't able to go today. What's in David Marshall? Yeah, David's had his foot injuries bothered him all year. I mean, he's gone. He's played. I think he played 10, 11 snaps the other game, but it, it continuously bothers him. So uh, we're trying to help him out with that and relieve him a little bit this week and uh, get him back next week. Going up to Knoxville is always a challenge. I am very curious myself to see how many Georgia people will be there. Maybe 30,000 is kind of guessing too many. I'm not sure, though. I mean, t Tennessee is a big stadium. Uh, the seats are extremely small. But it it's not that far from Athens. You're not asking people to go to sort of Mississippi. It's a relatively easy uh, ride up from Atlanta. Excuse me, goodness, and um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think thirty thousand is not asking too much because you already get ten or eight. Excuse me, eight six to eight thousand. Georgia gets anyway. You get the redcoats up there. Uh, it will feel like a, a big Georgia presence. But with how many people went to Nashville, uh, I expect Georgia to have a lot of people in Knoxville for this game. Couple of notes to on this game, Tennessee. Uh, has led this series since the 1980s. And the two teams, of course, did not play one another for a long time, but then they went to divisions. Tennessee, after they went to divisions, ripped off eight games in a row and had won the 1989 game. So they had won nine games in a row, and that gave them a pretty good padding going into this century. But the, the series is tied right now. And if Georgia wins the game on Saturday, which they should, this is the this will be the first time they've had the series against Tennessee since the early '80s. It would also mean that um, Georgia would have a winning record against every team they play each year. So that would be Auburn, Tech, South Carolina, Kentucky, Tennessee, uh, the Gators, and Vanderbilt. I guess I'm sure I left someone out, but uh, and obviously in a lot, of, I think the only teams that Georgia has a losing record to in the SEC is Alabama, excuse me, are Alabama and, and LSU. And those, you know, LSU, Georgia's pretty tight. Uh, Georgia with a 3 nothing lead in the series, if you want to call it a series against Notre Dame. That's the only team in uh, college football who has 
uh, that kind of margin, uh, excuse me, who's never lost in Notre Dame has played them at least three times. So uh, Georgia as a program, you saw Oklahoma and I think Ohio State go over 900 wins as programs this past weekend. So congratulations to them. Georgia barreling very right towards that uh, 900 mark. Uh, could happen sooner than you think uh, in terms of years. I will see y'all in Knoxville on Saturday. Go to the website, dogpost.com. If you're not subscribing on YouTube, you can do so right there. Uh, another video is coming up. Click on that. We'll see you over at dogpost.com, D-A-W-G-P-O-S-T.com.